go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank you for bringing us here again uh, tonight together. Thank you for this this time to uh, be able to get together and study your word. And Lord, uh, we ask, as always, that you would give us direction in our study and our, our discussion. Help us, Lord, to uh, wrestle with your, your truths and that we're going to be looking at here. And Lord, give us uh, wisdom and discernment and enable us to, to come to the right conclusions in the things that we, we look at. Father, we are asking for your, your guidance. We're asking that your will be done. We're asking that you be glorified. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, I want to pass out a handout here. You, you should have uh, four sheets. Okay, I mentioned a few weeks ago that... Uh, Oh, it was probably about three or four weeks ago. I mentioned that we were going to be coming back and looking at some things concerning um, church polity, in other words, church government, and uh, that's what that's what we're going to start doing, looking at tonight. And I decided to, to uh, uh, this particular subject is church uh, um, elders, or as you see at the top of the page there, biblical eldership. Um, and so it, so it has to do with the governance of the, of the church, of the local church. And I decided to start this out with this little article because it's, I like it. It's, it's accessible and it's, it's brief. Um, and then we can, um, uh, we, we can work our way through it and then we can go back, uh, or as we work our way through it, look at the, the scriptures that he talks about here. Now let me just tell you where I got it in case you're not familiar with Grace Community Church, but Grace Community Church is um, in the Los Angeles area. I always forget the name of the city for some reason. I've been listening, you know, reading and listening to John MacArthur stuff for over 20 years, and I still can't remember the name of the city. But it, but it's uh, it's one of the suburbs or whatever cities surrounding the the uh, the Los Angeles area out there. So the so the pastor, as you may have guessed by what I just said, the pastor is John MacArthur. Um, is very well known, very solid Bible expositor, Bible teacher. Um, so uh, I printed this off from their website, and uh, and uh, a few days ago, and and uh, anyway, thought it was thought it was good. Like I say, succinct. So so it just makes it kind of easy for a for a quick overview. Um, are, are introdu- for introductory purposes, I guess you could say, so that we can we can go back and look at some of these some of these passages. But just like with with anything here, let me just tell you my own heart. Just just like with with anything that we do in the Christian life, I don't I don't care care what it is. Uh, my my desire is to uh, line up with the Scripture, you know, to to be biblical. Um, instead of just instead of just doing things because that's the way we've always done them, or or uh, doing things because that's my preference, you know, this is the way I like to do it, um, or this is the going trend, or whatever it is. Instead of any of those things, um, uh, what what I like to do, what we have, what Leslie and I have, um, I don't know what the past tense of strive is, but uh, <laughs> striven, strove, strived, whatever, uh, what we have tried to do over the years. Uh, is is uh, get in line with the Bible, 
and do things biblically. So, so uh, uh, you know, and that's a, constant, that's a constant work, a constant process as you, as you go through the Christian life. So that's my motive here as well. Um, and uh, that's, 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 the way I, that's the way I think. And on a personal level, that's the way I think about the church, the, the, local, the local body, uh, which is what we are, of course, here at, uh, at Fillmore Baptist Church. Um, oh, I know what I was going to say. Something just it, this morning, it just made me think of this. This morning, when when I was reading from Joel, um, you notice when the Lord called for repentance, when He said, "Awake and and uh, be ashamed and lament and 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 called for repentance." And, and I know we didn't go deep into that yet. Uh, well, let me just read you a little bit of it real quick. N- notice this. He says. Um, in Joel 1.14, Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord. In other words, what, what he does when he, when he calls them to repentance, he deals with the congregation. Instead of, you know, instead of sending Joel out to uh, confront individual Israelites, you know, tell, this, tell Joe over there to get right. Tell... Tell Sam over there to get right. Tell Bill over there to get right. No, he, he deals with them as a congregation. He says, call an assembly. Call a fast. And, and it's urgent. He, he deals with them as a congregation. I mean, that's, that just to me is another uh, example of how important this is. It's the same way in the New Testament. Um, we, we, we are not just, we are uh, individuals in Christ. I mean, we, we have personal relationships with Christ. But we are part of a congregation. Now, on a on a large scale, you know, we're we're part of all of the people of God from all ages and in all places. That is that is awesome. And one day, you know, one day we'll get to stand before the throne and see that throng in its fullness. You know, from every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation, all of us will be joined together, uh, praising the Lord without the hindrance of sin. That'll be awesome. But we're already a part of that now. We're a part of the church. So there is one sense in which we should think of ourselves as a church because we're on a local level. Right? So we are a church. We're Fillmore Baptist Church right here in uh, Fillmore, Louisiana. Uh, Leslie and I were talking about that earlier today, the address. You know, you've you got three correct addresses here. You know, it can be, where are we at? We're at, well, Princeton, Houghton, or Fillmore. It depends on which way you look at it. <clears throat> but... Um, we're, we're a local church. So there's one sense in which we ought to think of ourselves as a church, um, but still, we're a church which is part of the church. So, so we're not an island. We're not out here on our, on our own doing our own thing. At least that's not the way it's supposed to be, like just, just doing our own thing. We're part of the body of Christ. Christ is the head, the Scripture tells us. And so um, we, uh, we, we conform to what Christ wants us to be. So, so that's, that's our, uh, you know, our motive as Christians, to, to, to be obedient to Christ and to do, what, um, to do God's will and to, to operate in, uh, in a consistent manner with the Bible. So that's, that's the goal here, and that's the, the objective um, for, for even looking at these things. So let me, let me, I'm going to begin to read through some of this, and I don't know how much we'll, we'll look at tonight, um, probably not the whole thing. Four pages, um, probably not the whole thing. And, and if you got 
Um, like if, if something jumps out at you and you want to ask a question or have a comment or something, just, just let me know. Okay, so um, as I mentioned, this, this particular article is coming from the, the church that John MacArthur pastors, Grace Community Church. That's why it has the heading there, the Grace Community Church Distinctive. Okay, biblical, biblically, the focal point of all church leadership is the elder. An elder is one of a plurality of, of biblically qualified men. I don't, I don't want to stop you too soon here, but let me just say that that's something we'll be coming back to, so I just want to point that out. A, a plurality, I don't know if you want to mark that, underline it, whatever, just remember it, but, but um, that's going to be one of the points that we, uh, that we consider, Lord willing. So let me start over. Biblically, the focal point of all church leadership is the elder. An elder is one of a plurality of biblically qualified men who jointly shepherd and oversee a local body of believers. The word translated elder is used nearly 20 times in Acts, and of course they're they're referring to the Greek word here in the New Testament. It's used nearly 20 times in Acts and the epistles in reference to this unique group of leaders who have responsibility for overseeing the people of God. The office of elder. As numerous passages in the New Testament indicate, the words elder, which is presbyteros in the, in the Greek, and you, you can probably tell from that transliteration there uh, that that's where the word presbyterian comes from. And if you look down at that next transliteration after, after the word overseer, Episcopos, the Greek word episkopos, that's where we get the word episcopalian or episcopal. You can probably tell that by looking at those. So, uh, numerous passages in the New Testament indicate the, the words elder and overseer and pastor, poimain is the word for pastor, or shepherd. It can be translated shepherd or pastor. All refer to the same office. So, you could use those four words, three different Greek words, but four different words in the English uh, because poor main is shepherd and pastor. So elder, overseer, shepherd, pastor, all refer to the same office. In other words, it goes on, in other words, overseers and pastors are not distinct from elders. The terms are simply different ways of identifying the same people. The qualifications for an overseer, episcopos, in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, and those for an elder, presbyteros, in Titus 1, 6 through 9, are unmistakably parallel. In fact, and we'll, we'll read those, but uh, in fact, in Titus 1, Paul uses both terms to refer to the same man, presbyteros in verse 5, and episkopos in verse 7. All three terms are used interchangeably, and that's, that's the key here, that's what he's saying. All three terms are used interchangeably in Acts 20. In verse 17, Paul assembles all the elders, presbyteros, of the church of Ephesus to give them his farewell message. In verse 28, he says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, episkopos, to shepherd, poimeno, there's the, the, the verb form of the word shepherd, to, to shepherd the church of God. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 2, 
brings all three terms together as well. Peter writes, Therefore I exhort the elders, presbyteros, the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd, poimeno, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, episcopeo, that's the verb form of that, of that word, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God. The different terms then indicate various features of ministry, not varying levels of authority or separate offices, as some churches espouse. Some churches do believe that, in other words, but but they're saying here that they think that's incorrect. All right. I tried not to chop that up too much with my comments, but 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 I may have. So any 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 questions or um, on any of that, or did everybody? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did. I added that because the word poimain, uh there he has pastor beside it, but that can be translated shepherd. He is translated shepherd. So we have two, in other words, we have two English words for that one Greek word, pastor, shepherd. Now, how many, how many times do, would you, would, if you just guess, and of course you may already know, you know, I may have said this before, I think, but if you just guess, how many times do you think the word pastor appears in the New Testament? One time. She got it. One time. That's in Ephesians 4. As far as the, the noun form, the noun form, it only, it only uh, uh, God gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers, Ephesians 4.11. Um, one time. Elders, I don't even know how many. It, it, it occurs repeatedly, repeatedly. Now, I agree with what they're saying here. It refers to the same thing. But it's just, it's just sort of ironic, just sort of funny that we've, we've picked up on the term pastor and use it when it only appears once, or shepherd. Um, and, the, and the term that's used in most, uh, m- most of the time in the New Testament is the term elder. But, like I say, they, they refer to the same thing, so six in one way, half a dozen the other. And it does, oh, I should say, it does appear in the noun form referring to Christ. And Peter talks about the, uh, the, 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 the appearing of the great shepherd. That's also there. So, but, but that place, it's obviously talking about Christ. But as far as referring to men, uh, only once. All right, so, so the key thing here is those three Greek words, and, I, and I, I agree with this. I agree with what they're saying here. Those three Greek words refer to the same function or office. So when you talk about an elder, you're not talking about a different thing from the pastor. Or when you talk about the pastor, you're not talking about a different thing from the overseer. When you talk about overseer, you're not talking about a different thing from the pastor or elder in the New Testament. Some people use those words differently, but in the New Testament, um, they're referring to the same thing. Sometimes called overseer, sometimes called pastor, sometimes called elder. Mostly, most of the time, referred to as elders. All right. Okay. Like I say, feel free to stop me if you got any comments here.
plurality of elders. The next heading here. The consistent pattern throughout the New Testament is that each local body of believers is shepherded by a plurality of God-ordained elders. Simply stated, this is the only pattern for church leadership given in the New Testament. Now, these are the kind of statements that... Um, I'm going to... I'm going to underline that, but these are the kind of statements, see, that you, that you want to verify, and it's not hard to do. I mean, in other words, you don't have to know Greek and Hebrew and all that. Um, you, can, you can do it reading the English, and we'll be looking at some passages. But simply stated, this is the only pattern for church leadership given in the New Testament. Nowhere in Scripture does one find a local assembly ruled by a majority opinion or by a single pastor. The Apostle Paul, next page, the Apostle Paul left Titus in Crete and instructed him to appoint elders in every city. Titus 1.5 James instructed his readers to call for the elders of the church to pray for those who are sick. That's James 5.14 when Paul and Barnabas were in Derby, Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, they appointed elders for them in every church, Acts 14:23. In Paul's first epistle to Timothy, the apostle referred to the elders who rule well at the church at Ephesus. That's 1 Timothy 5:17. See also Acts 20:17, where Paul addresses the elders of the church at Ephesus. The book of Acts indicates that there were elders at the church in Jerusalem. Acts 11.30, 15.2, 4, and 21.18. Again and again, reference is made to a plurality of elders in each of the various churches. In fact, every place in the New Testament where the term presbyteros, elder, is used, it is plural, except where the Apostle John uses it of himself in 2nd and 3rd John, and where Peter uses it of himself in 1st Peter 5.1. Only exceptions. Nowhere in the New Testament is there a reference to a one-pastor congregation. It may be that each elder in the city had an individual group in which he had specific oversight, but the church was seen as one church, and decisions were made by a collective process and in reference to the whole, not the individual parts. Okay, any thoughts there? Or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, my answer is going to be possibly. Uh, I mean, that's a very good question. Um, that's the reason. And let me let me go back over this last. Yeah, that's the reason they state that last part the way they do. It it may be that each elder in the city 
had an individual group in which he had specific oversight. And, and of course, one reason we, we think that's a possibility is because we know they met house to house, right? And they didn't have church buildings in the first century. So um, uh, it's unlikely that you would have a large congregation in one place uh, unless they had the facilities. Like the, the, the church in Jerusalem began meeting in the temple and house to house. So obviously when they met at the temple, they, you know, there could be a large crowd. But when they met house to house, presumably, you know, they were breaking up in smaller groups. I don't know how else they, how else they would do it. Um, and then uh, I believe it was Ephesus where Paul was using a lecture hall. And, and so there, again, you know, maybe while he's there preaching, they would have a large group. But, um, but probably that would be in addition to meeting house to house. So that's likely, I would say. And again, this is the reason they make this last statement here. It may be that each elder in the city had an individual group in which he had specific oversight, but the church was seen as one church. In other words, for example, in Acts 20, when Paul um, deals with the elders from Ephesus, he's, he's dealing with, with them as one church. When he writes the letter to the Ephesians, he's, he's, he's dealing with them as one church. When he writes, it, it appears. And when he writes the, the letter to the Galatians, you've got the same thing. And Corinthians, you've got the same thing. And which maybe in the church of Corinth, and this is kind of Sheila's question, it, take any one of these cities, but I'm just going to use Corinth. The church of Corinth may well have been like a, a bunch of small groups meeting house to house, each group having a pastor. Um, but when Paul deals with them in his letter, he seems to deal with them as one church. And, for example, in 1 Corinthians 5, when he instructs them to excommunicate the man who is um, committing incest, he doesn't, he doesn't, like, address one small group. You know, this group where, you, where this man meets, you know, putting him out. He, he talks to the church as a whole, the church at Corinth. All right? So, so, uh, so I think they're... It, it, this makes sense to me what they're saying here. Um, the church was seen as one church, and decisions were made by a collective process and in reference to the whole, not the individual parts. And by the way, we have an example of that also in Acts 15, where the elders in Jerusalem come together to, to make a decision about uh, whether or not Gentiles should be expected to keep Mosaic law. And they, and they come together... Uh, as as they, you know the elders plural come together as a unit and make that decision uh, for the whole church for the church so yes ma'am that um yeah and you know and i'd i'd want to Sometimes you just want to be pragmatic. So I mean, I, I would I would want to uh, um, I would want personally I would think there would there would be some things you would and some things you wouldn't, um, and that would take some explaining. <laughs> we'll take some explaining. We'll, I mean, we'll plan to go through some of those things. But yes, that's my understanding. Just just to give you a simple answer up front, yes, that's my understanding. There, there's there's no evidence of of uh, any kind of democratic rule. I mean, that's 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 what we have. In America, because that's what our experience is here, and that's what we know. Um, but you know, 
let me let me let me try to let me give you an example. I was uh, years ago I was talking to a friend of mine who who was an Episcopalian, and uh, here's where I'm talking about just kind of being pragmatic. Um, I was I was talking to a friend of mine who was an Episcopalian, and, and you know they they uh, they appoint pastors over congregations, right? The, the bishop does, you know, because they do have a hierarchy. That's what Episcopal means, you know. You've got uh, uh, an, an Episcopal form of government. You've got you've got uh, a bishop over however many pastors. So I was asking my friend about this, you know, what what if? And, and, and I grew up that way too, by the way. I was in Methodist church, and they appoint pastors too. But I never had any involvement in that. So I'm asking him, um, what if the bishop puts you at a church and the people don't like you? Because <laughs> uh, it's the bishop's decision. And, and it is. You know, he's got, I mean, just at least technically or on paper or whatever, he's got the final word. The, he, can put, he can put them wherever he wants. So, so what if he puts you at a church and, and the people don't like you and you don't like the people or whatever, you know? And he said, well, um, you know, it's the bishop's decision, but of course, he said, he's going to, to work with the congregation and the pastor, and they're going to try to uh, make sure that, that uh, everybody is uh, compatible, so to speak, because they don't want to just, you know, stick somebody out there and cause a big ruckus, you know. Well, that makes sense. I mean, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to just, like, force somebody on somebody and... and uh, uh, that, that just makes sense. So, it, so it was. It was the bishop had the authority, and it made it was his decision. But uh, as he was saying, they probably do use some common sense, you know, and try to work with folks. Um, and and so there there are a lot of things, you know. There, there's a. Um, I'll give you another example that I just know about because uh, of a class that I listened to online. We we visited a church out in uh, Phoenix couple years back, uh, well, 2011, I, I wanted to go to this one Sunday school class because the teacher is Wayne Grudem. It's a, he's a theologian that I like. You know, I, I read his material. I watch his stuff, listen to his audio. He's very, very good. And he teaches a Sunday school class at this church out in Phoenix, and I wanted to go. Uh, the church is 7,000 members, and it, it's, uh, it's, it's elder, elder ruled, elder ruled. You know, they have a board of elders answer your, you know, that makes all the decisions. And I'm sure they got lots of elders because 7,000 member church, I don't know how many, but they've got a lot. All right? But I heard this pastor, I was, uh, I can't remember if it was when we were there, there, or I was listening to a sermon later, but, I, but they, they were talking about um, making a purchase, which was a big decision, uh, a, a land purchase. I don't remember the reasons. I don't, I don't know their deal. But, but anyway, they were making, they were involved in a big decision making a land purchase. So the, the elders were in agreement on doing it. You know, we, we need to do this. Long story short, what they did was took it before the congregation because they, they wanted the support of the congregation. I mean, they, they didn't want to say, look, here's what we're going to do, like it or not. <laughs> they, they wanted the support of the people. So, so they said, look, here's what we want to do, and they took it before the congregation. And the congregation liked the idea, and, and they did it. Um, so I'm, I'm only giving those examples because it, it, it wouldn't make sense to, to just uh, give an absolute no, you know, that, that, that the congregation never has a, a, a role. I don't think you see that even in the Scripture. Um, when 
just just one example in, in the choosing of deacons, um, or at least what I think of as deacons in Acts chapter six. Um, Peter and the apostles they tell the congregation, choose out from among you seven men, full of the Holy Spirit. Seven men of good report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. So so there they 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 charge the congregation with choosing the deacons that would be serving them. So um, uh, why didn't they just appoint them? Well, I mean, they could have, but they told the congregation to do it. But uh, there would be... Yeah, you tend to, usually the, the, the example that we have in Scripture, just like we see here, um, Titus appointing elders, Paul appointing elders as he's traveling, um, you know, making decisions should should uh, well should there even be deacons? I mean, the elders made that decision. Making decisions should um, the Gentiles keep the Mosaic law? You can you can go on down the list. I mean, yeah, those those decisions seem to be in the hands of of the elders. I mean, that's that's what they're there for. God God put them there, gave them charge over the church. So so you 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 when when decisions have to be made in terms of of um, teaching, in terms of vision, in terms of direction, yes, yes, I think so. But, but I would, I would want personally would want to be understood that those decisions uh, need the support of everybody. And I think that's why the writer of Hebrews says um, to be persuaded by those who have the rule over you. He tells the congregation that be persuaded by the, and and, and this is this is. Um, Boy, too much for me to go into tonight. But this is why submission and love is so important and, and so essential to unity and to accomplishing mission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Peter, yep. Not Lord over anyone's faith, yeah. Not Lord over the flock, yeah. Yeah, that's First Peter 5. Absolutely. Yeah, you don't rule with an iron fist. I mean, Jesus is the shepherd, capital S, right? So elders, overseers, pastors, what our role is is under shepherds, under Christ. The, any authority is, is um, based upon the authority of Christ and, and, and the authority of the words, just like preaching. You know, I, I, I just talk out of my head. Um, I tell you what, you know, uh, <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. But but if what I'm saying is in line with the Word of God, then it carries weight. It has authority, not because of me, but because of the Bible. Yeah, good. That was a good question. Questions and comments. But some of those things, you know, like I say, it. it, it uh, I mean, I'm I'm welcoming the questions, but it, but it'll be too much to cover in detail tonight. So we'll we'll go through it over time. So. Um, uh, definitely, yeah. Keep hold on to those thoughts, and 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 if you don't see it emerging, remind me. Say, hey, we we were going to go back over this. Okay. The biblical norm for for church leadership is a plurality of God ordained elders. Oh, that's just a highlight. And on, and only by following this biblical pattern will the church maximize its fruitfulness to the glory of God. In other passages, next paragraph. In other passages. References made to a plurality of elders, even though the word presbyteros itself is not used. 
In the opening greeting of his epistle to the Philippians, Paul refers to the overseers, plural. Overseers, uh, plural of episkopos, and deacons at the church of Philippi, Philippians 1-2. In Acts 20-28, Paul warned the elders of the church of Ephesus, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which God has made you overseers, plural, for episkopos. Acts 20.28 The writer of Hebrews called his readers to obey and submit to the leaders who kept watch over their souls. Hebrews 13.17 Paul exhorted his Thessalonian leaders to appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 A clear reference to the overseers in the Thessalonian assembly. And, of course, part of his point there is that it's still plural. Let's see. Okay, much, next paragraph, much can be said for the benefits of leadership made up of a plurality of godly men. Their combined counsel and wisdom helps assure that decisions are not self-willed or self-serving to a single individual. If there is division among the elders in making decisions, all the elders should study, pray, and seek the will of God together until consensus is achieved. In this way, the unity and harmony that the Lord desires for the church will begin with those individuals He has appointed to shepherd His flock. Any more thoughts there before we get to the the qualifications here? Okay. Um, well, the key thing is functioning as one church. So, so we we are in a different day and in a different environment. I mean, we have we have um, buildings, for example. But let me tell you how a lot of churches do it today. Um, it, it wouldn't be like like you were just describing, like you say you got all the Baptist churches or something like that. Um, but it would be a church like um, let, let me just I'm going to use a larger one because I. Uh, 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 because this is characteristic, but you take somebody like Eastwood, First Baptist Bossier, they they have small groups that meet during the week in people's homes, and then they come together on Sunday for corporate worship and, of course, for things like business meetings and, and all that, making decisions or whatever. Uh, and I'm not saying, by the way, that those are elder-led. Those are not, but I'm just, I'm just saying I, I know of elder-led churches um, uh, and that's that's the way they handle that. I mean, they they would they would have um, small groups that meet in an intimate environment and then come together Sunday and make decisions as a church, worship as a church, um, and so forth. But they but they get their um, like the like the just. Uh, I guess closer discipleship, accountability, that kind of thing, in 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 the small group setting. When uh, uh, we visited, uh, and again, I'm just using a big church because it kind of fits with what Sheila was asking. 
but we visited um, Brook Hills Church in Birmingham, Alabama, which again is several thousand members, very large. Um, I was I was looking through their stuff in the lobby because they had all these information booths and all that kind of stuff, and so they for 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 people who were inquiring, they had a list of small groups you could get into, um, and it was long. <laughs> a couple of pages of, you know, all these different uh, small groups that are meeting, and, you know, so the idea being, you know, like you find one in, you, in your neighborhood or whatever close to you, and, and that way you got some close, intimate fellowship and discipleship and accountability, and, and but then they, you know, Sunday, they're, they're gathering in that 3,000-seat auditorium, uh, whatever it was, uh, for corporate worship. So that's the way it's usually handled in our day because the key thing is functioning as one church, which we don't do, like, like, if, like to use your... Like you say in your question, we don't function as one church with First Baptist Halton and, you know, Bellevue Road Baptist and whatever. And we couldn't uh, very well, at least with the, with the distinctives that we have. I mean, you know, there's got to be agreement. Okay. Hmm. First century, yeah. Yeah. Well, they had a lot of disagreements, but but the apostles were still alive, and they could write them a letter and or or, or go visit, and at least attempt to straighten them out. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but they did. They definitely had disagreements. A lot of disagreements. Okay. Might cover this one more little section here. Qualifications of elders. The character and effectiveness of any church is directly related to the quality of its leadership. That's why Scripture stresses the importance of qualified church leadership and delineates specific standards for evaluating those who would serve in that sacred position. The qualifications for elders are found in 1 Timothy 3, 2 through 7, and Titus 1, 6 through 8. According to these passages, an elder must be, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, gentle, uncontentious, free from the love of money, not fond of sordid gain, a good manager of his household, one who has his children under control with dignity, not a new convert, one who has a good reputation outside the church, self-controlled, sensible, able to exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict, above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, loving what is good, just, and devout. For an explanation of these qualifications, see page one through the master's plan. Okay, that's a, a one of MacArthur's books. Okay, the next paragraph: the single overarching qualification of which the rest are supportive is that he is to be above reproach. That is, he must be a leader who cannot be accused of anything sinful because he has a s- sustained reputation for blamelessness. An elder is to be above reproach in his marital life, his social life his business life, and his spiritual life. 
In this way, he is to be a model of godliness so he can legitimately call the congregation to follow his example. All the other qualifications, except perhaps teaching and management skills, only amplify that idea. In addition, the office of elder is limited to men. 1 Timothy 2, 11-12 says, Let a woman quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. In the church, women are to be under the authority of the elders, excluded from teaching men or holding positions of authority over them. Any thoughts there? And keep these if you would. I mean, you'll have time to go over them. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and read this last section then. And then, like I say, if you all want to, to review these on your own, you're, you're certainly welcome to do that, and we can come back and... And uh, we, we all want to come back and look at some of these scriptures, references anyway. But um, the last one there, the functions of elders. As the apostolic era came to, to a close, the office of elder emerged as the highest level of church leadership. Thus, it carried a great amount of responsibility. There was no higher court of appeal and no greater resource to know the mind and heart of God with regard to issues in the church. The primary responsibility of an elder is to serve as a manager and caretaker of the church, 1 Timothy 3.5. That involves a number of specific duties. As spiritual overseers of the flock, elders are to determine church policy, Acts 15.22, oversee the church, Acts 20.28, ordain others, 1 Timothy 4.14, rule, teach, and preach, 1 Timothy 5.17, and also compare 1 Thessalonians 5.12 and 1 Timothy 3.2. Exhort and refute Titus 1.9. And as shepherds, setting an example for all, 1 Peter 5.1-3. Those responsibilities put elders at the core of the New Testament church's work. Because of its heritage of democratic values and its long history of congregational church government, Modern American evangelicalism often views the concept of elder rule with suspicion. The clear teaching of Scripture, however, demonstrates that the biblical norm for church leadership is a plurality of God-ordained elders, and only by following this biblical pattern will the church maximize its fruitfulness to the glory of God. Okay. Any other comments or thoughts? Mm, what, do you, what do you mean? <laughs> Say it again, <laughs> or, or explain a little bit. Well, that's the, that's what I want us to determine from the scripture. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, it's, it's like I was saying earlier. No, as, as with all things, I mean, what we what we want to do is 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 examine the scripture, and like like the Bereans did with Paul. You know, they examined the Scripture daily to see whether these things were so, you know, what Paul was telling them. So, so that's what we want to do. We want to examine the Scripture and, and see whether these things are so. And this, this article, again, I just want to you know, be clear. This article, again, I'm just using as, a, as an introduction, okay? Uh, because it, it's, it's, it's a good little uh, informative um, handling of the subject in a, in a concise, you know, uh, uh, succinct manner. But, but I want us to look at these things. Uh, and, and we're not in a hurry. So, uh, I mean, you know, Lord willing, 
we, so, so yeah, any questions that, that arise, you know, you think about them during the week or whatever, you write them down. You may run across things that you think, well, what about this? You know, write it down. We'll, we'll be glad to, to go over it. If I, if I can't, if, you know, if I don't know the answer, I'll be glad to try to find the answer. Um, but, yeah, I want us to, to examine, because uh, I think your question was, how does this pertain to us? Because we're a church. And, yeah, well, search the scriptures, and that's, that's what we're supposed to do, and then do what the scriptures teach us. But, yeah, it, it, it pertains to us because we, we want to do what the Lord has designed that we do in all things. So, so yeah, I want us to look at it and, and, uh, and um, search these things out, read the passages. They're, they're really good. Uh, one thing that uh, this article is relatively short, but, it, but it's got you know, all the main uh, Scripture references pretty much there. So uh, there, there's plenty to, to, uh, to go over and look at. And, uh, you know, there are other things you can do, like just, you, you just think about biblical history, for example, which is not mentioned here, but there were always elders um, in the, uh, the, the Old Testament economy. Um, started with Moses. Remember when Moses was... Uh, I mean, it probably started prior to that in terms of tribal, of tribal thing, but, but remember when, when uh, Moses' father-in-law came to him, and uh, of all things, you know, because you think, well, this is, yeah, I'm, at least prior to uh, Moses marrying his daughter and all, this guy's just a pagan living out in the desert, but, but he comes to Moses with this wisdom and says, look, you can't handle this alone. You need to appoint elders. And, and so Moses goes to the Lord, you know, seeks the Lord on the matter, and the, and the Lord says, do what he says. And, and so Moses appoints elders. Uh, and you know, from that point on, I mean, you see it's all the way through the, the Old Testament. You, you've, got, you've got them in... Uh, uh, and I'm not saying that, the, that, the, that the, the function or the office is identical to New Testament elders. I don't mean that, but I'm just saying that the concept is there. And that's how they ruled um, cities, tribes. That's how they ruled uh, congregations and their synagogues. You know, they were... Uh, with, with, by elders. Uh, that's why you see that term used in the New Testament, for example. They would confront Jesus sometimes, the elders of the Jews, um, because they existed in those communities. It was the norm. And so, um, I, again, I'm not saying that New Testament elders are identical to Old Testament elder, but I'm just saying the concept was there, and, and it was not foreign to the church when, when, they, when, when they began to um, function as a church. Um, and and, and they, they began to appoint elders and to, to rule the local church. But you, but you always had, uh, you know, seems to me, pretty much always had that, that type of, of leadership. All right. I guess we better stop because we're out of time and we, can, we need to have a, uh, a men's meeting. So let's dismiss with a word of prayer. And we'll plan to come back to this next Sunday night. So like I say, uh, you, you want to go over it write down questions or whatever that, you know, I encourage you to do that. Let's, let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for uh, this time together. Thank you for your word that you have indeed given us instruction. And, Lord, um, that we're not just left to groping in the dark. Lord, we do want to seek your wisdom not only on these things, but on all things that we do as, as, uh, as Christians and as a, as a Christian body, as a church. 
We pray for your wisdom. We pray for your guidance by your Spirit. Lord, uh, direct us to do what you would have us to do, to be the most effective in your work, to bring forth the fruit that you would have us to bring forth. For your honor and glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.